Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. are actually the traditional readings for Thanksgiving, especially the one from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 10. Then when you will eat and you will be filled and you will praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and ordinances, his statutes that I'm commanding you today. When you eat and are satisfied and you build nice houses and move into them and your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold increase and everything that you have prospers, watch out so that your heart does not become arrogant and forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves. Do not forget the Lord who led you in the great and terrifying wilderness where venomous snakes and scorpions, where the thirsty ground had no water, but the Lord made water come out of a flint rock for you. Do not forget the Lord who in the wilderness fed you manna, which your fathers had not known before, to humble you and to test you, so that it would be good for you later on. You might say in your heart, my ability and the power of my hand has earned this wealth for me. But then you are to remember that the Lord your God is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth, to confirm his covenant that he promised to your fathers with an oath, as he does to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, beginning at the 10th verse. Here is the Apostle Paul who was truly in need and thanking the Philippians for their generosity. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord now that you have revived your concern for me once again. Actually, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I lack anything. In fact, I have learned to be content in any circumstances in which I find myself. I know what it is to live in humble circumstances, and I know what it is to have more than enough. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation while being full or hungry, while having plenty or not enough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you did well by becoming partners with me in my affliction. You Philippians know that in the beginning of your experience with the gospel, when I left Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once for my needs. Not that I am seeking a gift, but I am seeking the fruit that adds to your account. I have been paid in full, and I have more than enough. I am fully supplied since I received from Epaphroditus 
the things that came from you, a sweet-smelling fragrance, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will fully supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, beginning at the 11th verse. On another occasion, as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. When he entered a certain village, ten men with leprosy met him. Standing at a distance, they called out loudly, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went away, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus responded, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go your way. Your faith has saved you. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, it's actually verses 1 and 2. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, where you were slaves. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this happy Thanksgiving day, a couple of years ago, I decided to do something kind of unique instead of just preaching on one of the texts that is, is the traditional text for this Sunday, or for this Thursday, I mean. I've decided then to preach on the seven petitions of the Lord's Prayer as an excellent review, but as an opportunity to give thanks, because each of the petitions, as Jesus taught them, is certainly reasons to give thanks. I would like to do something unique this Sunday, and that is actually go through the Ten Commandments. And the reason for this is, once again, these are God's statements of perfect love, and these commandments are truly blessings in and of themselves, of, of which we give thanks, and certainly a reason to remind of all the things that God protects in these commandments, these statements of perfect love for us to enjoy. The very opening words of, of the Ten Commandments, before the Lord even gave one commandment, is the words you just heard. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves. Two things stand out. One is, these are the commands of God and the Lord God Almighty. These are not words we are just to take them or leave them or pick and choose or play eeny, meeny, miny, moe with, but these are God's holy commands. But notice also, he reminds them that this is the God who rescues them and who has technically rescued all of us. 
He doesn't give these Ten Commandments with a threat, saying follow them or else, but he gives them, reminding them that he is the God who saved them from the land of slavery, and this is the same God who has rescued us from the slavery of sin and brought us to, to the promised land that he has won for us. And the ultimate promised land is heaven itself. And as believers in Christ, we know heaven is our home. So give thanks this day, my friends, for the very first commandment. You shall have no other gods. And what a beautiful commandment it is. In fact, this is the commandment from which all the other commandments really hang from. You shall have no other gods. Give thanks to God that there is only one true God. That we don't have a religion based on having tons of gods and wondering which God do I pray to and will I upset this one if I go pray to that one and, and, and panic of which one is out to get me and, and which one will really help me. We have only one God and this one true God that we pray to is the only God we pray to. This one true God reveals himself in his holy word. And he reveals himself that he is one God who is three distinct persons. He is a triune God. He is one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We describe the Father as the creator who certainly made everything in six 24-hour days out of nothing. The very one who oversees and knits us together in our mother's womb. He made each and every one of us, blessing us with unique talents and abilities. We speak of, we speak of the Son of God as being the Redeemer who freed us again from the slavery of sin with his perfect obedience. We speak of his obedience as being both active and passive, the act of obedience being keeping the law perfectly for us, so that through faith in him, we would receive the righteousness of God, which is the ticket to heaven. His righteousness as our very own. We speak of his passive obedience, where he gave his life willingly on the cross, suffering the punishment for sin, which is death, even suffered hell itself, and won for us the victory of forgiveness and eternal life. We speak of the Holy Spirit as the sanctifier. He is the one who, who makes us holy. And he does it by calling us to faith and keeping us in that one true faith. Even faith is a gift of God because it is the work of the Holy Spirit. But this Holy Spirit doesn't work out of thin air. He always works through the word. For faith isn't just something that we have believing and that in and of itself saves. No, faith always has to have an object. And the object of saving faith is Jesus Christ. The very one whom the Holy Spirit testifies. This is our true God who has made us and the very God who has saved us. And on this day, this is the God we can't think enough. Happy Thanksgiving for that very first commandment. But we also give thanks for the second commandment. 
Second commandment being, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The very name of God is everything he reveals about himself in his holy word. Who he is and what he has done for us, that's his holy name. And, we, and he gave his name to bless and save. He didn't give us his name in order to use it to curse and swear and lie and deceive or, or use it for witchcraft or, or superstitiously. He gave us his name to bless and save. So when, when things come from our lips, the cursing, the swearing, the taking the Lord's name in vain has really no place on our lips nor even in our hearts. Use God's name to bless and save. And once again, at the heart of that name is the holy word of God. You could say that the word of God is the name of the Lord. And so be faithful to that word. Be faithful to that holy name. Do not add, subtract, or change it. But always take God at his word. Because as we give thanks to God, we do not want to misuse his name. Give thanks to God for the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Keep in mind that huh, the commandments usually start with a you shall or you shall not. This begins with an invitation. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Sabbath day is literally means rest. And on the seventh day, after creating for six days, the Lord rested. I find it fascinating in Scripture that the first five days God called good. On the sixth day, after he made Adam and Eve and creation was complete, he called it very good. But on the seventh day, he called it holy. So I ask the question, out of all the days, which became the most important day, wouldn't it be the day called holy? So remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It was a day that the Lord told the Israelites to rest from physical work. He did not make us to be workaholics who work ourselves to death, but he made our bodies to also rest. But not just physically rest, for it was also a day when people would gather together around his holy word to give all praise and glory to the, to the Lord. The Sabbath was known as a day of public worship. Believers coming together to give praise to the Lord? Oh, how wonderful and beautiful that is <clears throat> to get out and, and, and to be with those who are like-minded and giving praise to the God who made us and saved us. The early Christians, by the way, moved the Sabbath from the seventh day to now the first day, from Saturday to Sunday. And the biggest reason? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. Every Sunday, really every service, is a celebration that Jesus conquered death and rose again. The very Lord who paid for our sins assures us that they are paid in full and his resurrection is the proof. And because of this, every, every day, but especially when we get together publicly, is a day to give thanks and remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy.
We give thanks to God for the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother. In fact, it's called the first commandment that comes with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. We certainly see in this commandment that, that God is giving honor to mother and father, which means getting, giving honor to the family unit itself, which he has developed and instituted and, and really created. But there's more to the fourth commandment than just mother and father. For he's not only, he's not only protecting the family, but also God's representatives. For God's representatives are not only in the home, but God's representatives are also in the government and even within the church. And the purpose of all of God's representatives is, is to carry out God's holy will in overseeing the care of not only our body, but also our soul. The government, over with the care of our body, certainly keeping us safe and protecting us, and within the church, the preaching of God's holy word, the care of the soul. But when it comes to both body and soul, it was very unique with the mother and father. Just think, the very first parents, the, or the very first pastors and teachers, the very first protectors is the mother and father. So mother and fathers, keep in mind that you are God's representatives. Know God's word and know it well so that you can take to heart the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote in Ephesians, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we as children, respect them. Respect your parents who have been called by God. And especially respect them and love them and honor them even in their old age. We also give thanks for the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment, you shall not murder. This is the commandment that, produce, that protects human life. You shall not murder, emphasizing the fact that you and I have no right to play God with someone else's life and bring hurt and harm and even ultimately end someone else's life. Now the Lord does give the responsibility of capital punishment to the government. In order to keep people safe, we have a military, we have police officers who in the line of duty may have to stop someone who's out to kill another and hurt and harm another. And God permits that. But you and I, have no right to play God, yes, with someone else's life, but also with our very own lives. To hurt and harm another is sinful, just as it is to hurt and harm yourself. Even with words that we use to hurt another is condemned by God. And by the way, hurting and harming another would also include the hurting and harming of an unborn child. God even goes so far as, as even to condemn hatred, even calling it murder. This is not God's holy will for us 
to seek revenge, to get even, to hold a grudge, to go and slam doors because we have an attitude and we want to make sure everyone hears it and knows it and make sure another suffers because they made us suffer. This is not God's will. So give thanks for the blessing of human life as well as give thanks for the sixth commandment. You shall not commit adultery. In this commandment, God is protecting both sex and marriage. In order to understand marriage, you must understand this divine truth or you'll never understand the purpose of marriage. That is, marriage is instituted by God. It is not instituted by man to do with marriage whatever he wants. It is instituted by God. And marriage is between one man and one woman, truly single in God's eyes, with a commitment to live together for life, being faithful to each other. As we live, being faithful to our Lord, who has made us and saved us. And therefore, even the, the gift of sex, which he intended only for the realm of marriage between one man and one woman, is not to be misused and used outside of that realm. Husband and wives love each other. And especially as Christ has loved you and gave his life for you. We give thanks to God for the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. And at the heart of this commandment is certainly the words of Psalm 24, verse 1, that says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything that we have comes from the Lord. We brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. All the blessings that we have, we have from the Lord. So use those blessings, not to lie, cheat, and steal, but use them to his glory. Use them to even help another, and especially one in need. And of course, above all, use them to take care of your family, those beautiful possessions. Give thanks to God for the Eighth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In the second commandment, he protects God's name. But in the eighth commandment, he protects the name of one another. Even King Solomon in Proverbs pointed out that was what was worth more than gold or silver is a good name. We have no right to gossip. We have no right to slander. We have no right to destroy someone's name. As the old saying goes, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me has never been true ever. Because words can tear a person apart and leave scars that oftentimes do not heal. I loved how Martin Luther put it in his explanation of this commandment. He said, take a, word, a person's words and actions in the kindest possible way. How many relationships could be saved today if we always would look in the best always looking for the best in each other instead of always the worst. Thank God for the Eighth Commandment, as well as the Ninth and Tenth Commandment. Ninth being, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. The Tenth, dealing with everything within the house and all that he owns, including his wife and animals. <clears throat> to covet? Don't even covet? 
Martin Luther felt that there's two commandments on not coveting because it, it emphasizes sinful desires. Not only does God condemn sinful actions, but even the desires to sin, even if you don't carry out the actions, do not covet. Keep in mind that our coveting, our sinful desires, do not just come because we've done sinful things, but those sinful desires come because we've inherited a sinful nature. That goes back to Adam and Eve. And because we've inherited this sinful nature, we badly need a Savior to rescue us from sin, to pay for those sins, and to win for us the forgiveness of sins, which Jesus did on the cross with his perfect life. Sinful desires, my friend, lead to sinful actions. The opposite is also true. Holy desires lead to holy actions. And these are the desires that God wants us to have. But in order to have holy desires, you must know God's holy will. And isn't it a beautiful thing that God sums up his holy will, his moral law, with the Ten Commandments, these statements of perfect love. Take these commandments to heart. And on this Thanksgiving Day, you have now ten more reasons to give thanks to a God who has blessed you with this undeserved love and giving you these holy commandments that not only show us our sins, but more so, they're a guide for thankful living as we live each day giving thanks to our God. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.